News, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Hello, Stephen. Hear ye, hear ye. Um, no, no, we're not. <laughs> Let's get that out of our system okay. right away. Okay. Anyway. Stephen, we're here with a special guest today. Indeed. Who is a member of, I guess, the the royalty in a way, right? It's a, it's a royalty. His name is Jake Bowman. He is a knight with Medieval Times. Hello, Jake. Hi. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing very well, thank you. How are doing you doing? Well. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I've been better, but I'm doing okay, all things considered. So. so Jake's joined us today because he is a very vocal member of a union that's recently formed within the Medieval Times organization. If you're not familiar, Medieval Times is a sprawling dinner theater corporation that started in Mallorca, Spain, and then is now headquartered in Irving, Texas. And what it is, is dinner theater where people, families can go and they are served meals and beverages, etc., around an arena that is made to look top to bottom like in a medieval jousting ring. And it's complete with the minstrels, the fighting, the, you, you know, the comic relief, the literal fanfare let the games begin experience the power the passion and the pageantry of medieval times it's modeled after i think the aesthetic of the movie el cid because it came from mallorca spain it was a barbecue restaurant out there and the founder had to so the legend goes had to um differentiate himself from other barbecue restaurants in the region and so he had this idea about doing medieval dinner theater so it's not just medieval themed it's specifically spanish medieval themed dinner theater yes uh, and you get to pick a night or a night picks you based on right jake where you're sitting I think it's a carnation-based uh, communication system, right? You get a rose, you get a flower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're almost there. You're almost there. Yeah. The uh, the you don't get to really pick anything. Actually, you generally just show up, and then they sit you in a section, and the section is you know representative of your colored knight. So yeah, um, yeah. And then it change it changes every night. Victors change every night. Losers change every night. So you never really know exactly what you're going to get. So we'll get into a little bit of that through our conversation with Jake, because we want to hear firsthand what it's like to work as a knight at Medieval Times. This is specifically the Medieval Times located in Buena Park, California, right along the row of all of these other amusement parks like Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland and everything. So the vibe is high with the performing arts in the region. But recently, a group of employees within the Medieval Times organizations, knights and some other fellows joined up with a national union that was in November. And then shortly thereafter, in February of 2023, all voted to go on strike. We're recording this here near the end of July 2023. Everyone is still on strike. Brandon and I had heard about this and really wanted to learn more. Especially in the context of the blooming number of strikes going on. SAG after just went on strike, yep. joining the WGA. Yep. And so the idea of union activity, which is a sort of time-honored uh, tradition that mm -hmm. you know has come in and out of favor throughout history in the United States, is ascendant again. We're talking about it, and this is sort of a perfect story for us because I think it allows us to look at what labor is in a kind of unique and strange light. So anyways, we have Jake the Knight Bowman here to talk to us today. And we want to hear all about this from you, Jake. 
So I'm technically classified as a night one right now, although I should be a night two, which is more of like a mid-tier night, just based off of ex- experience. And I very quickly got thrust into the role of union organizer. And then because of that strike captain, and now I'm also on the negotiating committee. And the other half of it is my co-captain, Aaron Zapsik, who is one of the queens, and she's the same thing. She's the other half of the equation. So what's the, what's the protest itself been like? Uh, So we went on strike February 11th. So we're getting close to day 160. We're getting close to that six-month mark. And I have had to have hard conversations with my team and say, I need everybody to be prepared to be on strike for 12 months. I need everybody to be prepared to be on strike for 15 months. And when we went on strike early on, I was way, way, way too optimistic, right? We walked out on February 11th. It was a Saturday. It was three shows that day. We all performed in the first show. And then in between the first and the second show, while we were breaking, we walked out. And we thought, oh, that's going to cause the castle to have to stop the shows, right? This is how we can be effective on strike. They didn't. They came in and they pulled bartenders and they pulled servers and they pulled a bunch of people with no training, no experience and no equipment. And then they put them down in the arena during the show around dangerous animals and 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 in around these like dangerous fights. And they were like, just figure it out. And that was how they did the show. And that's how they pulled it together on a Saturday. It was the most unsafe and dangerous thing I've ever seen a company do. It was, it was wild. That is Absolutely unbelievable. Wild. That yeah, is, you go yeah. from having like a turkey leg you're about to serve and then they're like, here's a sword, go entertain the masses. Is that, is that literally what happened? The bartenders it, were getting yes. on horses and fighting with real swords? No, no, no. They, they didn't get on horses or anything like that. They got pulled to do like squiring duties, right? So what happened mm. is, is there was like just enough nights to stay where they didn't have a full show, but they could do this thing where they swapped roles backstage. And so you would have one night that was like multiple colors, right? And then so they pulled the people down to be squires to like help dress horses and bring them down and stuff. And these people were like in their Nikes, wow. right? In the sand, like running around <laughs> Unbelievable. trying to figure shit out. And then it's, so the wor- it's, it's worse than that, right? So if you came second show on Saturday and you sat in the yellow section, you didn't even get a night performing because there's a part in the show before the combat starts where the queen is like, if anybody feels like they shouldn't be a part of this contest, then you can retire now in honor and peace. And, you know, everybody like salutes them like, no, we're going to fight. That's the entire purpose. Now on that day, if you were in the yellow section, your knight was like, yep, I'm out. And just bounced back to the back. <laughs> which, which is hilarious because he's not a knight. He wasn't a knight. It was like the assistant head horse trainer, you know, the yeah. assistant horse trainer wow. that they had put on a horse and he doesn't know how to fight. So he just took off. So you came in, paid $70, Holy right, shit. to be at here and bought drinks or whatever. I mean, if a family of four can spend $400, $500, $600 easy and you sat there and you didn't get to have a night at all fight at all on Saturday. Man, yellow, what a coward. Yellow, I mean, yellow, it has to be the yellow guy, right? It's So yeah, we thought for sure, we were like, we'll only be out for like a week or two. Because of the fact that we weren't able to actually stop the show at all, it has never stopped. So on Saturday, they filled in these roles and, and made the show work, even though it was completely unsafe. And by Sunday morning, they had flown in 30 people. And they just continue and they from continue where? to fly in from it was all like, of the Arizona or something, right? Or like it was it's everywhere. It's Arizona, Myrtle Beach, Florida, the Baltimore. They're uh, flying they in to... the scabs from other castles around the country. Because there's ten castles, right? Ten wow. locations. One of them is in Canada, nine are in the United States, and only two are unionized. They have only seven locations to pull from because when we found out they were sending people from Toronto, we contacted immigration and we're like, I bet they didn't fill out the proper paperwork. And guess what? They didn't. So everybody from Toronto got banned from coming here. Wow. Oh, the Canadian um, Knights so, got booked back to the, yeah, the yep. Canadian guy, they, they They landed in California and they were like, nope, and put them on a plane and turned them Holy right back moly. around. So what led up to you and your colleagues' decision to unionize? The idea of unionizing with Medieval Times has been around for like a long time. 
They tried to unionize in the 90s and they didn't have enough traction. They tried to unionize again in, I think, 2006 in New Jersey, actually, I believe, and they got shot down. So they ended up, the company ended up coming in and union busting and, and buying out a lot of people. So because of that, it sort of set a shockwave throughout the entire company of like, hey, this is how they handle unions. And it's been shut down ever since then, right? And then come last year, we hear that the knights and queens and squires and everything like that in New Jersey are unionizing. And we were like, well, that sounds pretty good. I mean, we've known for a long time, everybody that works at the castle, even the people that are scabbing right now, even the management, everybody knows that there are major issues. There are huge problems that this castle has had for a very long time. Um, The company has had for a very long time. Issues that we've brought up to management, issues that we've been vocal about in the past. And every single time you get shut down or there's no paper trail or you get fired or you get punished for bringing up these problems. And so what are some of those issues? There's issues with the horse training at medieval times, right? Like there is like there's the crazy, crazy, crazy horse abuse that's happening specifically at Buena Park location right now. But throughout the entire company, I would I would argue that the style of training with the horses and stuff is very outdated and not modernized. Um, it's way aggressive. It's very old school. It's a, it's an old circus way of training that just is not really acceptable in modern day standards. You know, the company is also a boys club that's been around for, you know, 40 years. There's rampant sexual harassment. It's systemic throughout the entire company. And at the end of the day, we barely get paid. I mean, I live in Anaheim. We live in Orange County, right? And I get paid $18 an hour to jump off these horses and put my body at risk. And that's not sustainable in Orange County. You can't live with that kind of income in Orange County or really anywhere around there. And so, you know, those are like our big three issues that we've been dealing with while we're on strike and that we've been dealing with the union, but these have been present in the company since it was basically created, you know, and it's things that people have spoken up about, like the, when they unionized in 2006 or tried to unionize in 2006, it was about pay and it was about mistreatment by management and it was about safety. Um, and it's the same exact issues that we're dealing with now, almost two decades later. And when New Jersey finally pulled the trigger and we're like, hey, we we actually voted in the union, you know, we're we're ready to go. It was not that hard for us to then turn around and say, well, yeah, we need to hop on and do this. Now, tell us about the larger union that you became a part of. You work at a big corporation and there's a union that represents employees who are like you in other places. First, tell us about this union, AGVA, who it protects. And then how do you plug into an existing union to gain those protections and be part of that larger movement? So our fight, and I, and I will get into this, our fight is almost like crazily unique compared to other union fights for a very specific reason. And that is that AGVA, A-G-V-A is the American Guild of Variety Artists, and they are small, comparatively speaking. We're talking about, and I don't know the exact number, but maybe 2,000 members nationwide, right? And they represent niche performances. Like that's why they fit with us perfectly because they represent like the stunt performers at Disney, the stunt performers at Universal Studios in, in Hollywood. They represent the Rockettes at Radio City Hall. They do, you know, some Cirque du Soleil shows and different things like that, right? So it's like these weird niche performances that don't really fit in with equity. They don't really fit in with SAG. They, they can't really operate under like these cookie cutter standard contracts that these really major, huge unions have. We have our own individualized, like specific contracts. And that's what Agba is really good at doing. Now, the problem with that is just that our union's not very big, right? Like we don't have a strike fund. Like we don't have like a like a marketing department or like a political, you know, analyst that comes in and helps us do this or whatever the situation is. And I'm still new to this as well. So I'm still learning a bunch of different things. But this is just what other people have told me is that we're in this like crazy unique position where it's like we have a small union. We're going up against a corporation that's never had a union before and is completely anti-union. 
This company is not driven by greed like most companies are. They are, but not to the extent that most companies are. They're more driven by pride and arrogance because it's a privately owned company. It's owned by a family. So we have a face. We literally have somebody that I know personally that I've spoken to on a daily basis or on a, a, a daily basis leading up to our vote that is the person that's actively trying to screw us over that hates us, right? So this isn't like, you know, the thing about like SAG and WGA is and they're wonderful, wonderful people and what's happening to them is absolutely absurd, right? But, you know, they're going up against like the AMPTP, right? Which is this mega entity that has billions of dollars from Disney and, and Universal and all these like crazy mega corporations, right? But we're going up against a face. We have a face. We have a name, like a face and a name that we're fighting against. And that person actively hates us. It's like a medieval tale. I mean, this feels like a actual sort of peasant uprising within uh, like this medievally themed organization. It's real people. Yeah. There's feels like there's a king. There I'm is really, a... I'm really proud of you for holding off on that metaphor <laughs> as long as you did. Eventually we were going to get there. Yeah. Feudal uprising. Yeah, it's a feudal uprising. This is important actually because we, we, there's a lot of people that have started to pay attention to us because of that. And that's why I don't actually like have any problem with the comparisons or anything, even though we hear it all the time because it's gotten some attention to come our way. Like we're of, let's say 30, the amount of people that are on strike, right? 30 modern day knights, queens, and other members of royalty that are besieging a castle, trying to overthrow a tyrannical king. And on the surface, that sounds awesome, right? Like you're smiling, that sounds incredible. This is like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. Like we could totally be on board for that. But once you start peeling back the layers of what you're actually talking about, it gets yeah. dark. It's it gets super really dark. dark. I've been doing, yeah, I've been reading all about it, about the the people breaking bones and and then being placed on different sort of work assignments instead of giving them time off, the abuse of the horses, the fact that the weapons are just blunted titanium swords, but they're still metal. You're breaking shit. You're, I mean, you know, it, it, it's really high intensity work. But I think what's also unique about the Medieval Times organization is that uprising was almost built into the DNA of the culture because when you're an entry level employee, you kind of are almost like a surf or you have to like squire for a night, right? Isn't that isn't that the case? So you I mean, it's like a positive and a negative. It's, it gets used against us a lot with by the company. But you know, one of the things is that you don't have to have any experience, right? You have to have no horse riding experience, no stage combat experience, nothing. They'll pull you off the street. And if you're able to move your body in a specific way or to learn and adapt relatively quickly, if you are already in decent shape, you know, then you basically, you're, that's all that you qualify for, right? And so they'll pull you off the street and they'll make you a squire. And squiring is exactly what it sounds like. Your job is to assist your knights and you bring them weapons, you take care of their horses. And the, the entire thing is, is that that job is not fun. It's not glamorous. You don't like it, but it's the entry level position and it's your stepping stone to becoming a knight. Then you start to train, right? Then you become an apprentice knight where you're training and you're doing combat training and that takes up most of your day. And then you finally get the chance to do your final test, which is like a combat physical evaluation. And once you do that, you become a knight. And look, there's no question that this is one of the coolest jobs that you could possibly have. The feeling that you get specifically in your first few times and even now today, um, you know, if I was still back in there, it's the same. The feeling that you get when you're backstage and you're on your horse, right? And the curtain is closed. And you're listening to the marshal introduce your character, introduce your knight, right? And there's the curtains closed and there's like this adrenaline that's building and you can hear the crowd start to get excited about what he's saying. And then all of a sudden it's like, and the red knight and you just bust through the tunnel, going full speed on your horse with your flag and you throw it up. It is the coolest feeling in the world. I cannot express to you how amazing it is to feel that. And that is exactly the reason that we are fighting so hard to make this place better. Because yeah. the job is incredible and we love the job. 
the company and the ownership is doing everything in their power to make this the worst place ever to work. And they know that the job is incredible and fun and they leverage that against people because the kind of people that come to Medieval Times are not the kind of people that sit behind a desk for eight hours a day working from home or doing the standard nine to five or working in a cubicle. I've done that before. I'm one of the only people that works at the castle that's had other jobs like the standard nine to five and done tech and done sales and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a reason that I came back. There's a reason that that this is my second run at Medieval Times. And there's a reason that people have been there for 15 years or for 20 years or something like that. It is a unique job that you cannot find anywhere else. And it is an incredible job. And there is nothing that we would rather do than go back to work and entertain guests and have a good time, right? But we can't. They are chewing people up and spitting them out. People are permanently injured, permanently disabled, You know, like members of our staff have had to go on permanent disability and can't even walk to this day because of injuries that they've gotten at medieval times. And the company does not care. What's the most horrifying thing that's that's occurred? I I, I mean, look, I have two specific stories, one that I heard that I I can't verify, but I've heard this from very reliable sources, an upper management person um, that I'll say that it sounds like to to me, one of the worst things ever happened is the squire got kicked in the face by a horse and his jaw went from being straight to completely to the side. And he had to eat through a straw for months and months and months and was had to have facial reconstruction surgery and was li- is literally will probably never be the same again because of it. On our current picket line right now, somebody that has gotten fired from the job was a former manager um, who got fired specifically for supporting the union many years ago, was on a horse that was not ready to be put into the show and was put into the show anyway, because that's the way the Medieval Times operates is with no safety protocols whatsoever. And when the lights and the sound came on, that horse flipped out and then tried to make a beeline back towards the tunnel, back towards safety. And at the same time, somebody was walking out of this tunnel that we used. And so my friend and this former manager, in order to avoid killing somebody, pulled the horse to the side as sharply as he could. And because of that, got his leg caught in between the wall in the arena and the horse and drug it along the wall and completely twisted it around and snapped and shattered all the bones in his leg. And he, to this day, cannot walk for long periods of time. And this this happened years ago. I mean, he's permanently disabled and will never be able to walk normally again. We I've been out with him on multiple occasions. He can't stand on the picket line with us for long periods of time because his legs hurt all the time because of what happened. And then whenever he decided to unionize, they fired him. Did they pay for medical? I mean, was that was the kind of typical stuff? It goes through... Yeah, I mean, listen, it the, the, it goes like through uh, workers' comp, right? It yeah. goes through workers' comp. And, and workers' comp is trash everywhere. This is one thing that I'm not going to bash the company for because they don't have any control over it. Work, work, workers' comp is awful. It's absolute garbage. And all this kind of stuff, all this stuff surrounding workers' comp, the company can absolutely come in and provide for and help with if they can. But they don't. They give you zero guidance. And after that, people have lost their jobs coming back. They've hmm. come back and they've been like, hey, like, you know, I can work a little bit, but I'm like on partial disability. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we can put you in this other department, but you can't get your normal pay rate. And and I mean, I've, I've broken my back, I've had fractured my spine. I have wow. fractured my L1 lumbar and couldn't walk for a while. I broke wow. my hand. At the Buena um, Park location at here, right here? No, I fractured my spine in Dallas. My first go around at uh, Medieval Times many, many years ago. You were at a castle in Dallas many years ago. And then now, so you've been at two different castles. Yeah, I started, I started in Dallas when I was, I'm 34 now. So I started in Dallas when I was like 23, 24 which is like the prime time. Yeah, tell us how you got into this. Well, that's that's like the prime time thing, right? Like the early 20s is like when they get you because you either just graduated from high school and you maybe you had a, a BS job that you didn't really care about. You don't know what you're supposed to do. Or maybe in my case, I just graduated from college and I had no idea what I was supposed to do, right? I didn't want to work a desk job. I was young and in shape and I needed something and I wanted to entertain, right? Like they, we're all actors at heart. 
and we're all performers. And I was like, I need some sort of entertainment job while I'm trying to look for auditions, all those kind of things. And I applied to be a bartender at Medieval Times because I was like, this is perfect. I can, you know, I can say like, my lady, my lord, I can get my acting skills in and I can still make money while I'm auditioning. <laughs> And they called me and they're like, hey, brother, we have, we have too many guys. We need more uh, chicks for bartending. So uh, how about you be a squire instead? And I was like, oh. sign me up. That sounds incredible. I can do that. Had um, you done sports or anything? I mean, did you, you have an athletic background? No, I mean, not near as much as some of these other guys. I played sports and stuff in high school, but I'm not like, no. like I, I, I will be the first person to say that I am not the best knight, right? Like I am, I'm very safe. <laughs> they, call, they, they call me... They call me the dad night for a reason because I'm generally like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older and a little bit more experienced in, in the ways of the world than some of these guys. And I'm all about like safety. I had this medical center over my locker that had all the basic sort of supplies that you would need, like ibuprofen, Pepto-Bismol, oh, like, uh, like, yeah. like, you know, whatever you need for your allergies or whatever the situation is. And so whenever somebody got hurt or whenever somebody was in pain or having a, even like just a headache or a migraine or something, they generally came to me to get medicine. And did they have to go to you because the organization was not providing these sorts of supports and supplies? I oh, mean, yeah, no, every I, man for or woman for themselves? A hundred percent, hundred percent. We have mm -hmm. a first aid kit that gets stocked with like some general first aid kit stuff, but there's yeah. not any, you know, nobody had ibuprofen. Like when I came, yeah. nobody had any of this like standard stuff. Is there a medic on staff or any kind of medical professional that's just there usually <laughs> in case of, you know, Night no. smashing into it. Nothing. Yeah. None of that. Nothing. Not even. No. As a matter of fact, we proposed that in bargaining and they laughed in our face about it. This is very much illustrative of all of these other common worker issues that unions have been formed to to, to sort of fight. Right. But heightened even, I mean, because, yeah. you know, the idea of like worker safety is like, well, OSHA was formed, yeah. you know, so somebody drops a box on their this foot This is more than, yeah, lifting a 20 pound like, box. Yeah, is, uh, you yeah. know, horse dragging your leg against a wall is a horse of a different color. Ah, so, and that was, yeah. I was wondering too about the, the dynamic at Medieval Times, even like currently. So who's on strike specifically? So the company is split into two different actual corporations. So the first one is Medieval Times, and then there's another one called Medieval Knights. Medieval Knights covers all of the people that perform in the show, and that is who's unionized now. That includes the stable hands that work with the horses, the kings and queens, the showcast department, and the trumpeters that you see on the stage, and then the knights and squires, which perform in the actual show, um, and that and the knights and squires being the bulk of the actual bargaining unit. So we actually represent the majority of the actual group. But that it, uh, encompasses only like 45 or 50 actual people. The other side of it is medieval times, and that is the rest of the employees. That's servers, bartenders, retail staff, the cleaning ladies, different things like that that's working that's not actually performing. Where do the PMS. trainers come in there? I mean, the the horse trainers and, and that, is that considered the night side? Yeah, well, so the our, our horse trainers and our my direct manager all do actually perform in the show. So they're included in the medieval knights organization. They are not, however, included in our union because managers and assistant managers are not unionized positions. And we we did not want them to be a part of it because they are right. very anti-union. So out of 45, give or take, employees, there's only about 30 that are on strike, or actually maybe a little bit less than that. We had, early on, everybody was very unionized, and then our stables department got bought off very quickly. The management came in and basically offered them a bunch of stuff, and they just threw everybody under the bus and started to be anti-union after that. Out of the Knights department, there was like three or four people that stayed behind. And the same thing with the showcase department was maybe another three or four people that stayed behind. And this goes into, you know, what you were asking me before, which is like, there's this weird thing that happened. And it, it's, it's really prevalent at, at Medieval Times. And it's, it's I guess, a, a much louder version of it. But for some reason, people have loyalty to corporations. And I don't understand it. And I'll never get it. 
the culture, it, I, there has to be something there where it's a corporate structure, which feels a lot like, like an old school medieval sort of king surf, you know, sort of that, a caste that, system. It's caste system. There you go. Yeah, Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's like literally kind of what's happening at medieval times. And I think that this is why what I, I want to get away from the joke of, of all that, but wonder like, is there something about the actual performance and the actual nature of the business that is causing, in your opinion, some people to be more, you know, deferential to the corporate or overlords. To embrace the metaphor in a yeah. way that they don't even yeah. realize. It's a flytrap is, is exactly what it is. They grab young, specifically young men often that do not know what they're supposed to do with their lives post high school, post college. And they bring them in and they're like, check this out. You can be a badass. You can be a rock star. You can ride horses, you can like fight, you can get the girls at the end of the night, all that kind of stuff. And that's what they cater to. They cater to the people that never left the locker room in high school. And they just gave them another locker room. And they grab those people and they give them a place to work and they give them a quote unquote home. And because of that, those people are now bought by that company and they are loyal slaves. It is awful. It's absolutely terrible. And I mean, some of these people have gotten the worst injuries out of anybody in the entire castle and been mistreated and walked all over. And they don't care because that's the only thing that they've known for the past 10 years or the past five years or whatever the situation is. And they don't know any better. And so I'm coming in and saying, hey, you're being mistreated. You deserve to get paid more. And they can't understand that. They think that I'm a dissenter that's just trying to ruin the thing that it always was or that I'm like weak and I couldn't hack it, right? The whole mentality of just rub some dirt on it is prevalent in the entire castle. Well, and, and a lot of the stories that have come out about your strike have been around the actual experience of striking, of actually picketing and, you know, people getting together on a cold night and like drinking ale and, you know, having the placards. And there's been a lot that's gone on there. I mean, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. One story I saw was like there was a car that bumped into some people and there was an altercation between a customer of Medieval Times who got into a fight with some of the protesters. That was all caught on video and put on social media. You were doing it seven days a week, and, and now you've reduced that somewhat. But talk about the actual on-the-ground experience of it for the last few months. Everybody's pretty pissed off. I mean, just for, just for lack of, of, of better words at this point, I mean, we're very, very, very emotional and very angry. Every single day, people cross the picket line. You have to walk past a 30-foot banner that says Knights on Strike. You have to walk past people holding signs that are saying, hey, we're on strike, are telling them that there's rampant sexual harassment, are telling them that we don't get paid enough and people sleep in their cars. And people are just like, man, that sucks. And then they just go inside anyway. And this happens every single day. Yeah. Is there any hostility between those on strike and those who are still working, who are going in, even, you know, the ones that are doing the non-performance roles? Or is it pretty supportive? So there's the... There's some departments have unionized since then. So like our sound and lighting department, the girls and guys, they control like, you know, the lights and the, the music and stuff in the arena have since unionized with IOTSI, right? So they're obviously very hyper supportive, even though they're not a part of the performance aspect, they're just sort of related to it. You know, IOTSI is like stagehands and stuff like that, which is perfect for them. The rest of the castle seems to be split sort of down the middle, right? It's you've either bought in hook, line and sinker or you're like, no, I, I've also experienced a lot of bad stuff here and I 100% support them. But you can't say that. I mean, there was a retail manager, retail being the department that sells, you know, merchandising and things like that, that three or four months into the strike went to her manager and was like, most of the retail department is young women. And she was like, I'm a supervisor and I'm supposed to be protecting these people. And the sexual harassment is really bad. 
every single time, every single night, these guests come in and they get liquored up and they touch people that they're not supposed to touch, right? And you need to do something about it. This is really bad. And a week later, she got fired because she couldn't handle the stress of the job. So you can't even speak up in defense of us at this point. If you are a supporter of us, you're just keeping your mouth shut. And that's the best way to support us and protect yourself at the same time. And I feel like this is a story that's probably unfolding in in so many other union battles like yours in other professions across the country right now. Um, There was a recent study from Cornell that actually found that strikes are currently up 52% in 2022 and have involved about a quarter million workers. So I think what we're seeing here is, you know, real stories like yours that are unfolding very publicly across the country. Of course, we haven't mentioned the hotel worker strike and all these other sorts of strikes that are occurring. Starbucks, Amazon. Starbucks, Amazon. Of course, we didn't mention Hollywood stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so from someone in the middle of it, in the thick of it, why are all the strikes happening now? What is it specifically about this moment in 2022, 2023 it's we've reached critical mass. So, you know, unions were prevalent in like the 50s and the 60s and stuff like that. Right. And that's when we had a very strong working middle class. Your parents or my parents or my grandparents, one parent could have a job, work 40 hours a week and own a home and put their kids through college. Right. And because of a variety of factors with union corruption and then also the political rich elites moving in to take advantage of that, unions have been gutted and neutered for the past 50 or 60 years. And they've done it through laws and regulation, and they've done it through convincing people that unions are bad. And now here we are in 2023, and we've reached a critical mass of every single worker is getting shit on. We're all getting walked all over, where where people are losing jobs for no reason. The corporations are cutting employee hours and, and laying people off, and the CEOs are getting $25 million bonuses. And there's people can't afford their rent. Rent is going up. My rent just went up $300 this past month. You can't afford housing. You know, I'm 34. I'll never probably own a house, right? So you can't even afford an apartment. And at some point, you've just been walked all over so much that there's no other option. I don't have another option at this point, right? We get yelled at all the time. It's like, just go find another job. It'll be the same at another job. If I just go find another job, I'm just going to get shit on again. At some point, you have to stop and be like, this is not okay anymore. This is not acceptable. We have to do better. We have to stand up. We have to fight for ourselves. And unionizing right now is the answer because it gives us a barrier between us and corporate greed. And it gives us a chance for us to say, no, you can't treat us like this anymore. We're going to take some of the power back and start actually working towards building a strong middle class in a society where people can actually live and work and enjoy their lives without getting just crapped all over all the time. And we have a very, very, very long road ahead of us. And it is an uphill battle. Every single thing in this country is against you when it comes to this kind of stuff. Every law is designed to protect corporations. And and they've done a very good job of making us all fight each other to the point where half of your unionizing battle is convincing people that they are worth more. And, and that shouldn't be a fight, but it is. And so everything is designed to keep you down and keep you in the place that you're in. And it is very, 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 very hard to ask people to go to work for eight or nine or 10 or 12 hours a day and then come home and continue to fight to make sure that your work is a safer and better place for, for you and everybody else around you. That is a big ask. And the fact that people are finally doing it in mass all around the country means that we've hit that critical mass where it is not sustainable anymore for you to continue living the way that you're living. And we have to change it. Well, Jake, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and in the midst of this fight that you're in to speak with us. Jake, the night, Bowman. 
Thank you for coming on. Tijernos, uh, where can people find you? I, I've been on Twitter a lot more recently now, trying to uh, expand my thoughts on what's going on. So you can find me at, at Sir Jake the Knight on Twitter and on Instagram as well. And MT United CA is our, our main accounts on Instagram and Twitter. So please follow them. And we have strike schedules and all that kind of stuff. So that's where your best source of information is going to come from. Well, great. And forsooth, and I had to do one. <laughs> this has been Jernos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I am Stephen Jackson. Thank you again, Jake. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.